Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. So I'm standing here in the remains of at least what was the battlefield among the vultures picking the bones and orcs milling about. Hopefully they haven't noticed me. The battle is over. The Narniath Arnoidiad has come to a decisive close. Morgoth and his forces are victorious. And they haven't just won the battle. They have absolutely obliterated their enemies. This is a moment that will change the course of history forever. In fact, so much is now different from before the events of this battle that it is worth taking this episode today to talk through who is left, where they are now, where they were originally and where they've now moved on to, and what is basically the state of the world at this point in time? Because it's very important, and it's also extremely dire. It also sets kind of the foundation for the next story. The story of Turin. The Children of Hurin is the book that was put out later by Christopher Tolkien. 
And in the Silmarillion, we get a shortened version of Turin Turambar's story. And so we'll be getting into that next week. But before we can get there, we have to have some understanding of the kind of world that Turin is living in. In some ways, things feel kind of post-apocalyptic at this point. In any good apocalypse story, you have the survivors, the individuals, the humans or whoever, right? Surviving out in the wasteland and having to deal with the things they come across. And in many post-apocalyptic stories, you have some form of enemy, some sort of danger that's out there in the wastes, whether that's zombies or mutants or something, right? Something terrible that is not to be reasoned with. This is about as close as Tolkien gets to that. Everywhere there are orcs. Nowhere is safe except for some very specific locations because they've been able to hide away still. But everywhere else is fair game, and we're going to get into this because there are locations that we haven't really talked about very much, and those places now are no longer safe. So now that the battle has come to an end, we we get to the end of the chapter, the end of chapter 20. And Tolkien gives us kind of a recounting of who's left and what's going on and, and where they are now. So we're going to work our way through each of those. At first, we are told about Fingon's realm. The realm of Fingon was no more, the text says, and the sons of Feanor wandered as leaves before the wind. Their arms were scattered and their league broken, and they took to the wild and woodland life beneath the feet of arid linden, mingling with the green elves of Assyrian, bereft of their power and glory of old. Now, this is one of the reasons right here why I want to take this episode and go through how this works and where everyone is going, because you get a lot of these names. I mean, this is this is what Tolkien does. He gives us names of places and people and locations and it's hard to keep them all straight in your head without like a map or something to look at while while reading this, right? So Arid Linden, that sounds kind of familiar. Assyrian, yeah, didn't we talk about that? Okay, so the sons of Feanor, the ones who lived up in the north east side of the map, the ones who were coming from Maedhros's realm, that contingency, they lived up in that region, they lose their lands. And they decide to just head off further into the east. That's what we're being told here. Arid Linden is the realm of the Blue Mountains and beyond the Blue Mountains, even east of the Blue Blue Mountains. Linden is a word you might recognize from events in the Second and Third Age because it is the far western side of the map. It's what is left of Beleriand at that point in time. So this is where the sons of Feanor go, and they they are defeated. They feel like there's not anything they can do right now. And so they take up with the green elves. Can you imagine the nobility of the Noldorian princes deciding to go live in the wild with the green elves? 
think about it. <laughs> that, that can't necessarily work very easily, right? Oh, you high and mighty elves from over on those other shores decide to come live with us now. You need our help. Okay. Also, remember that the uh, the dwarves live in the Blue Mountains as well. So the their companions and, and friends who fought off a dragon live over in that area. And Osirian is the realm south of that area on, on the very eastern side of the map where the, the seven rivers come down, the place where the first men were first met, that kind of region of the map over there. So they decide to move even further east and are trying to get as far away from Morgoth as they possibly can. The next passage, we're told this. In Brethel, some few of the Haladin yet dwelt in the protection of their woods, and Handir, son of Haldir, was their lord. All right, so now we're talking about Brethel. Where's Brethel, and who are the Haladin? Okay, Haladin, we're talking men again. These are no longer elves. We've, we've now shifted over to, okay, what happened to the men? The Haladin stay in their woods. This is actually pretty interesting. So Brethel comes up a lot, and, and we've mentioned Brethel a number of times on the show. Brethel is the, the forested area west of Doriath, and it's almost like the forest is a, is a little extension. If it was a piece of land, it would be a peninsula sticking out from the main forest, I guess you could say. And it, it, it sticks out to the west, and that area is heavily wooded. They feel like they can still protect themselves. They can still control that area because they can they can watch over who enters and exit, exits the woods. They can protect themselves from the orc hosts that are moving about, that kind of thing. So they decide to stay there. But who exactly are the Haladin again? I'm sure some of you are going, wait a minute, who are they? The Haladin are the House of Halith, also known as the Haladin. And they were the second house of the Edain to come over from the east. So this isn't just some group of people. This is the second of the three houses of men. And they will be important to the story. So hold on to that word. Haladin, the Haladin, Handir, son of Haldir. They are sticking it out on the northern side of the map up there next to Doriath. And also note that they are not protected by the girdle of Melian. Only the woods of Doriath are. Their little outskirt section is not. So then we have a passage that says, but to Hithlum came back never one of Fingon's host, nor any of the men of Hador's house, nor any tidings of the battle and the fate of their lords. So let's pause there. Hithlum is the western, the northwestern region that Fingon had lived in. This, these were mostly elf lands. There are some people uh, Hatter's house, the men of Hatter's house also lived in that area with them as well. And this was north of Dor Loman. Those words should sound familiar. These are regions that were on the outskirts of the, the battle region during the Narniath or Nordiad. Um, man, that's a weird word to say. And so this area is up in the northwest and was kind of the other side of the elven contingency. Remember, we talked about the hammer and the anvil. They were those forces that were coming from the western side and then the forces that were coming from the eastern side. This is the western side with Fingon. Now we're told that none of the elves ever go back to that land ever again. It is abandoned. And there are individuals who still live in this region. And we're going to hear a little bit more about them in the future. We 
also get the uh, the name here, Hador's house. Hador it was the third house of men. So we've now heard about the second house of men living in Brethel, the third house of men who have been removed from this land and basically scattered at this point. The next passage says, But Morgoth sent thither the Easterlings that had served him, denying them the rich lands of Beleriand that they coveted, and he shut them in Hithlam and forbade them to leave it. Such was the reward he gave them for their treachery to Maedhros, to plunder and harass the old and the women and the children of Hador's people. This is interesting because the remember the men that betrayed Maedhros in order to basically turn the entire battle. They are the reason that is noted by Tolkien himself as to exactly why this went so well for Morgoth. Well, Morgoth is so happy with them that instead of giving them the bountiful lands that he promised them, which were probably some of the lands more on the eastern side where Maedhros and the other Noldorian princes have now left, he gives them the lands on the western side, which aren't really what they wanted. They aren't as nice. And they are there to harass any of the individuals who are still up in that region trying to live their lives. So a bunch of terrible men are now picking on old women and children and and the crippled. And so that is now their existence. Sounds sounds wonderful. So this is why you don't work with Morgoth or Sauron. It goes on, it says, The remnants of the Eldar of Hithlam were taken to the mines of the north and labored there as thralls, save some that eluded him and escaped into the wilds and the mountains. So the forces continued into this area after the the battle, and any of the Eldar, any of the elves that they found in Hithlam that could be captured were captured, and they were enslaved, and they now worked in the mines in the north and labored there as thralls, basically mindless servants who only could do what they were told to do. Some of them, however, escaped into the wilds and the mountains, so some did get away. But they wouldn't necessarily be safe out in the wilds and the mountains because of this next section, where we learn more about what the orcs and the wolves are doing. Tolkien writes here, The orcs and the wolves went freely through all the north, and came ever further southward into Beleriand, even as far as Nantathrin and the borders of Assyriand, and none were safe in field or wild. Nantathrin is also known as the Land of Willows, and that is a name that you probably have not heard, you're not familiar with, it doesn't come up very much. This, I had to look up, because I was like, Nantathrin? Where is where is Nantathrin? So, if you go way south to where the ocean meets the Syrian River, or the river Syrian meets the ocean, the, the delta is just south of a region called Nantathrin. The Syrian River is the river that comes south through the continent, through the the forest of Doriath, and then winds its way south. It is one of a forked river that uh, breaks apart with um, with the river uh, Narog, Narog, which if it, let's say, okay, so if you go, let's start down at the delta. The delta, right, the, as almost as far south as you can go. In the Bay of Bel- Belar, there's a delta where the river Syrian hits the ocean. 
If you go up the River Syrian, it splits. If you go to the right side, which if you're heading north would be east, that continues the River Syrian up into Doriath. If you go the west side, the left side, then that's the River Narog, and Narog goes up to Nargothrond once it gets past the hills. So that that is the region we're talking about. The orcs and the wolves have now worked their way way south of Doriath into these regions. They've now pushed into the southern part of the map. They are taking over everything. And we are told that there is nowhere that is safe in field or wild. Unless you are in a walled or hidden city, you are not safe. But even then, you might not be safe either. Let's take a quick break to thank our patrons. And I will be back in just a minute because we have to talk about the hidden locations. Doriath, Nargothrond, and then also a character that hasn't come up recently, but is very important to stories and future stories. Keridan, the shipwright. We'll be right back. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and this is where I get to thank all of my wonderful, wonderful patrons. Thank you so much to all of you for your support. And for for your kind words, for your love, for all the wonderful things that you um, that you do in order to make sure that I can keep doing the show. And I very, very much appreciate it. We have some new ones to shout out this week. Let's get through the list. We've got Bo. I don't know if I mentioned Bo last week, but Bo might have come in right right when I was doing the show. Then we have Jacob P. Josh P. uh, Gandalf the Greg. I love it. Chris P, Shannon W, Matthew M, and Sunny and Chaos Runner. Welcome to the Patreon. Thank you for joining. And let's see, we've got, oh man, we've got 158 current patrons. Holy moly. And we've got a bunch that we need to shout out who are now VIP tier patrons and they get shout outs every single week. Bo, Brad C, Brandy D, Chris D, Chris P, Esoteric Rage, Jesse P, Larry, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Sam B, Shannon L, and Sheev Palpatine. I, I love the idea that both Obi and Sheev Palpatine are fans of Lord of the Rings. That's hilarious. I think that is my new headcanon. Thank you so much to all of you. And if you are interested in joining the Patreon, if you're interested in getting those bonus episodes, or you just like the show and don't want the ads, or you just want to toss a little bit of money my way in order to make sure I can keep doing this. Patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast is the place to do it. And all of you guys are absolutely amazing and wonderful human beings. I think you're the best people in the world. That's that's a fact now. You are, you are, I said it on a podcast. It is true. Um, also, we have some reviews to get through here. We've got some new ones that came in the last week. Let's start with SJS Games 14 in Belgium writes great podcast i found this podcast after watching the rings of power with my mother who only has watched the lord of the rings and hobbit movies and had a lot of questions about the lore before these movies i wish i found this podcast earlier so i could have given her better answers and maybe listened to it together with her i have now recommended her to listen to this podcast and understand more about the world of middle earth keep going with this podcast and i will listen to all of it i'm even considering to join the patreon well we'd love to have you and there's lots of bonus episodes so you get even more stuff and have even better answers for your mom. Heck, you could even sh- share your account with her and then she can listen to the episodes too. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't complain. Um, but thank you, SGS. Uh, appreciate that one. Gemma Droppo writes, great show. Robots does an amazing job of laying out the lore full of hard to keep track of names in a way that is accessible. As someone whose main knowledge of the lore of Middle Earth comes from jokes on social media, it's nice to have it all laid out, right? Like you get all the memes and then you're like, they get mixed up in your head. Yeah, totally get it. Thank you, Gemma. Appreciate that one. Anonymous from the Netherlands writes, incredible show. This show brings me back to my mom reading the stories and me watching the Lord of the Rings together. 
The way Tom tells the stories and includes his views into the story just makes it easy to understand and follow. Tom, thanks for this amazing podcast and never lose your touch with the amazing works of Tolkien. I appreciate that. I will try not to. Uh, Lilia fan writes, amazing show. This is the first podcast I've ever listened to. Wow. Uh, I had a long road trip I needed to take and decided to download something for the road since the Silmarillion is my favorite book by a significant margin. I figured this would be an interesting show to listen to. Wow, Tom has blown it away. His research is frankly amazing. Even though I have read the books, uh, read the, the book more than a dozen times, I have to still... I have still been taking away different perspectives and nuggets of information. Reading is hard. I wish I could leave more stars. Uh, I'll, I'll count that as six stars. <laughs> Thanks, Lilia. Appreciate that. Dreet King writes, I've been listening on Spotify. Getting caught up has made this first hour of my day better since I started. Thumbs up. I will definitely be reading the books now. Thanks, robots. You're welcome, Dreet King. Mr. Pebbles writes, it keeps me sane and informed. Greetings from the Netherlands. Oh, also from the Netherlands. Uh, Thank you, robots or Tom, for taking the time and explaining the rich world of Tolkien to us. I never realized I'm a lore enthusiast until I listened to this podcast. It keeps me sane during traffic jams and the dark days before Christmas. I recommend it to everyone that even remotely loves fantasy. Mr. Pebbles, that that is amazing. I'm so glad I can help you get through your day because that that is huge. That's how I've used podcasts as well. Then we have the last one, the Woodsman 1029 from the US. He writes the best of them all. Wow. This podcast has ruined all other podcasts for me. The quality, detail and thoroughness makes it so hard to listen to anything of lesser value. You also keep it personal. So listeners feel like they know you. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. The Woodsman. Um, also, anybody else who wants to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts will get read out in the future. You leave five star rating, you get you get read out, and uh, you can also rate us on Spotify. But I'm going to stop taking up your time in the middle of the show. Let's get on with what's going on in this terrible, terrible, scary world. Here we go. So let's talk about the hidden kingdoms. We have Doriath, still hidden, still uh, protected by the girdle of Melian, basically. Nargothrond, hidden underneath the mountains by the river Narog. And there's Gondolin, which Turgon came out, fought in the battle, and then retreated and seems to have been able to get back into the cover of his hidden uh, city in the mountains. So... The next passage says, Doriath indeed remained, and the halls of Nargothrond were hidden, but Morgoth gave small heed to them, either because he knew little of them, or because their hour was not yet come in the deep purpose of his malice. I like that this sentence right here, we are given a limited understanding of something. Sometimes we get these sentences written, especially in the Silmarillion, where we have this like deep foreshadowing of like, oh, these are the events that are going to come from a character who probably doesn't actually know. And it's just inserted into the character like I talked about last week, I believe this moment here. We get the perspective of a writer with limited knowledge. This is like one of the elves who's writing about the history and they're like, we don't know what Morgoth was thinking because we were not in his brain. (laughs) We we don't know. So either he didn't know of those locations or he knew about them, but he was still planning some stuff and it wasn't ready yet. One or the other seems to be the case. And he doesn't bring up 
Turgon here yet. We're going to get to him in a little bit. But what about Círdan? Círdan the shipwright. He's lived off the coast of the, the area. He's a very important character who shows up on future events and eventually becomes a ring wielder, bearer, wearer, ring wearer. Eh, let's just call it that. Uh, before he passes that ring off to Gandalf. Círdan is safe, right? He's way down on the coast. Well, we just learned that the orcs and the wolves were basically going everywhere. Well, here we're told something about what happens with him. Many now fled to the havens and took refuge behind Círdan's walls, and the mariners passed up and down the coast and harried the enemy with swift landings. So he is now moved out into the water, or at least uh, using the ships that were already out in the water, which were probably doing things like fishing and travel, and now turned them into basically attack craft. Anytime they saw orcs or any of the enemies along the coastline, they would land and they would harry the enemies. They would take on and try to kill them and then get back on their ships. Basically, they've turned into Vikings. <laughs> for the, for, for, if you want a visual, probably no uh, horned helms or anything like that. But again, that wasn't even historically accurate. So anyway, it goes on and says, but in the next year, ere the winter was come, Morgoth sent great strength over Hithlum. So he sends the strength over the west, western side, and Nevrast, the land between Hithlum and which was almost on the coast. And they came down the rivers of Brithen and Nanning. Okay, so which are these rivers? You have the coastline south of Hithlum. This coastline has two rivers that meet the sea before you get south to where the Syrian hits the sea. Brithen and Nanning. These are the two far western rivers. And it goes on and says, And ravaged all the Phellas, which is the land near the coast, and besieged the walls of Brithombar and Eglarest. These are the two cities that sit at the mouths of the Brithen River and the Nenning River. So Brithombar is on the Brithen, which makes sense, and Eglarest is on the mouth of the Nenning. These are the two main coastal cities of the elves. Morgoth basically sends a bunch of stuff. Within, within that year is like, okay, Enough with the the ship people attacking my orcs. We're just going to take out their homes. And then he does. And it wouldn't be easy. These are reinforced walled cities. And so we're told, quote, Smiths and miners and makers of fire they brought with them, and they set up great engines. And valiantly, though they were resisted, they broke the walls at last. Then the havens were laid in ruin and the tower of Barad Nimrus cast down, and the most part of Círdan's people were slain or enslaved. This area basically gets the Hithlum treatment and is destroyed. But we do learn a little bit about those who get away. But some went aboard ship and escaped by sea, and among them was, and this name is going to be familiar, Arenian which isn't familiar, Gilgalad, which is his second name. You're going to recognize Gilgalad. If you watch the Rings of Power, Gilgalad at the, in the Second Age is the High King of the Elves. And he's also the son of Fingon, which Tolkien states here, the son of Fingon, whom his father had sent to the Havens after the Dagor Bragalak. This remnant sailed with Círdan south to the Isle of Balar, and they made a refuge for all that could come thither, for they kept a foothold also at the mouths of Syrian, 
and there many light and swift ships lay hid in the creeks and waters there. The reeds were dense as a forest. So they're still holding out, but they've now moved off the mainland to an island. And this is important because this is how Gilgalad survives into the second age. He has, he's part, and Círdan as well. They're both together and they are mounting this resistance, but from an island off the coast. So it's harder for Morgoth to then create ships and get across in, in order to get to this island. Also, this gives us a glimpse of what it's like at the mouth of the Syrian. We talked about that area before the break, and they have gotten to the northern part right before this forested area, right at the mouth. And it appears that the elves are still kind of maintaining a foothold on the continent over there. All right. So what about Turgon? We're told here, and when Turgon heard of this, the basically sacking of these southwestern lands, he sent again his messengers to Syrian's mouths and besought the aid of Círdan the shipwright. He had an idea, and I'm going to sum it up. The idea was, let's take seven of your ships, let's take seven captains, and let's send them into the west. The situation is dire. Turgon realized that there were not forces left in Beleriand that could fight against Morgoth. That this was now a losing battle. The Narniath Arnoidiad was the last chance, the last ditch effort in order to take on Morgoth directly. And that failed. And so many of their forces that were their friends and allies were scattered or destroyed. So now's the time. If the Valar are still out there, if they care at all about those of the elves or men or dwarves or anyone who is fighting the good fight against Morgoth, then let's send seven ships to the west because maybe one of them will reach the Valar. But we're told that they didn't make it, except one returned. Six others disappear. And they bring back a story of a great storm that heeded their progress into the West. This was the barrier that the Valar laid in the ocean to separate Valinar and Beleriand. Only one of the captains return. The message is clear here. You are alone. The Valar are not able to get your message. We're also told a little bit more about Morgoth's feelings about Turgon. And this is interesting because we just got a passage earlier where the author, whoever was writing this, didn't know Morgoth's thoughts or feelings at all. But all of a sudden we get a passage where we do know Morgoth's thoughts and feelings. And it says, now the thought of Morgoth dwelt ever upon Turgon, for Turgon had escaped him. And all his foes, that one whom he most desired to take or to destroy, and that thought troubled him and marred his victory. He was bitter that Turgon got away. For Turgon of the mighty house of Fingolfin was now, by right, king of all the Noldor. And Morgoth feared and hated the house of Fingolfin, 
because they had the friendship of Olmu, his foe, the Valar of the waters, right? And remember this because of the wounds that Fingolfin gave him with his sword. Remember when Fingolfin dared challenge Morgoth and actually wounded him? Morgoth has not forgotten that. He's bitter. He wants revenge. It goes on and says, And most of all his kin, Morgoth feared Turgon, for of old in Valinor, and this is interesting, his eye had lighted upon him. So back when they lived together, back when Morgoth was pretending to be a good guy, and whenever he drew near a shadow, had fallen on his spirit, foreboding that in some time that yet lay hidden from Turgon, ruin should come to him. Morgoth had this sense that Turgon would be his undoing. How is that possible? What does that mean? Hold on to that. Now we get this little section here at the end that prepares us for the next chapter. And I'm going to read it directly from the book, like I do at the end of some of these episodes. And this will get us ready for the next story. So here goes. Therefore, Hurin was brought before Morgoth, Hurin, the man, the friend of Turgon. Remember, they met on the battlefield. For Morgoth knew that he had the friendship of the king of Gondolin, but Hurin defied him and mocked him. Then Morgoth cursed Hurin and Morwin, his wife, and their offspring, and set a doom upon them of darkness and sorrow. And taking Hurin from prison, he set him in a chair of stone upon a high place of Thangorodrim. There he was bound by the power of Morgoth, and Morgoth, standing beside him, cursed him again. And he said, Sit now there, and look out upon the lands where evil and despair shall come upon those whom thou lovest. Thou hast dared to mock me, and to question the power of Melkor, master of the fates of Arda. Notice he calls himself Melkor, not Morgoth. It makes sense. Why would you call yourself Morgoth, the enemy of the elves, when you have a cooler name, Melkor, which is more foundational and old? Therefore, with my eyes thou shalt see, and with my ears thou shalt hear, and never shalt thou move from this place until all is fulfilled until its bitter end. Basically, you're going to sit here and you're going to watch the events of all the land and I will give you my ability to see things at a very far distance and hear things very far away, which up until this point hadn't been described very much. We didn't know that he really had that. Think of like the Eye of Sauron looking out upon the world. Same kind of thing. He gives Hurin this power. Not because it will benefit him, but because it will torment him and drive him insane. And even so it came to pass, but it is not said that Hurin asked ever for Morgoth either mercy or death for himself or any of his kin. By the command of Morgoth, the orcs with great labor gathered all the bodies of those who had fallen in the great battle and all their harnesses and weapons and piled them in a great mound in the midst of of Anfogleth, and it was like a hill that could be seen from afar. Hod and Dengin, the elves named it, that's a tricky word, the hill of the slain. And Hod and Nirnieth, 
the hill of tears. But grass came there and grew again long and green upon that hill, alone in all the desert that Morgoth made. And no creature of Morgoth trod thereafter upon the earth beneath which the swords of the Eldar and the Edain crumbled into dust. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio, or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes, or just search Robots Radio Discord, or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.